Eastside City Church, friends and family. How are you doing today? It is so awesome to be back here with you this Sunday. I know for many of you that weren't here last week, uh, it has been a while since uh, Pastor Jan and I were home with our church family. And we just want you to know how much we missed each and every one of you, that you are such a blessing uh, in our lives. And we're just so glad to be here because I sense God's presence. I sense good things uh, that God is doing here. And uh, I, I just believe God is up to some great things. And I want to just share with you a little bit about what we did on our, uh, our time away, our trip, kind of the, the journey that we took. Because some of you might be wondering, well, what happened over the last five weeks? Like, what were they really doing with all of that time that they needed to uh, be away? And uh, many of you followed us on Instagram and Facebook, and so you got to follow the adventures with Todd and Jan. But some of you probably don't have that connection, and so... We started off by uh, visiting my dad down in Portland, so that was traveling through southeast British Columbia, northern Idaho, eastern Washington, uh, northern Oregon, until we arrived in Portland, and we spent a few days uh, with my dad and my brother and my stepmother, and we had a great time. We did some shopping, or Jan did some shopping, I should say, and uh, I did some visiting, and then we moved up to I-5, which is the main highway that goes from Vancouver, British Columbia, all the way down to the Mexican border. And we went up to Seattle, and uh, where uh, we did some workouts. My son was getting ready for uh, college. His fall season has already started. And so we were doing some workouts for baseball, and, and Jan did some more shopping. And then we were actually able to attend a baseball game between the Seattle Mariners and the New York Yankees. On my team, the Seattle Mariners won. Yeah, it was a good thing. Then we decided to take a, a few days and go up to uh, the majestic Mount Hood and uh, that just has some incredible views. Um, the golfing, uh, we did some, uh, or Jan did some more shopping. And we did what I call tourist hiking. Now, here's what tourist hiking is. There's, this is the definition. It's where you never leave paved roads, trails, and you go only go to lodges that have, like, amenities in them. And it's mandatory, if you are a tourist hiker, that you comment on the real hikers. And you can tell the difference, because one has recently come out of the brush. Uh, they lack makeup. They have twiggy hair and they have a special smell that they bring with them. And so you know who they are, and we know, we, we, we kind of look at each other, we wave at each other. Uh, so we did that up on Mount Hood. Uh, then we traveled to Concord, New Hampshire, and where Pastor Jan did some more shopping, and we dropped off our son at college, and that was really emotional. And then we flew back to Seattle, uh, where we spent some more time with my family, and Pastor Jan did a little bit more shopping, and then we drove back to Calgary. But what I want to say this, we really, really, really did miss uh, each and every one of you. You are our family, and, and so uh, I say this, um, I really believe that we, are, we missed you like we're missing our son. My daughter's actually in Seattle, she'll be coming back this week, like we're missing them. And, and I want to say this, and I really do want to hear this. Eastside City Church really has a special place with special people. You need to know that. And I want to encourage each and every one of you not to take your relationships here for granted. 
It's, it was great reconnecting with many of you at the church picnic last week. It was fun. It was a perfect way for our church to end the summer before diving into fall. And I'm just also grateful for every member of our, our leadership team with Pastor Peter, uh, kind of was my guy, and, and Naomi and others, and all the people that preached and taught and just kept the church going forward. I just know that it was well taken care of, and I can tell God is doing great things, and I'm excited to come in and piggyback on that here today. In fact, I, uh, I want to start off our message today because I want to preach uh, my message that I didn't get to do on the fruits of the Spirit. We, Peter said last week, well, this was our last week, and I was like, uh-uh, no, no, no. I know he had nine fruits. Well, I'm adding my own fruit here today, all right? No, I just felt there was something that the Holy Spirit put in my heart that really will kind of seal things, bring it all, uh, all together. And I want to say this as I start. I want you to know that, and it's, you know, it's probably not going to be a surprise to many of you, that I am not a professional cook by any stretch of the imagination. I know it's a shocker, but I've been around the kitchen. I've eaten enough food in my life to, to know, and you can see that if you look at my, uh, my shape and my size, that, uh, that specific ingredients when we eat things kind of make things really awesome, right? Like if you have corn on the cob and it has butter and sea salt on it, isn't it just better, huh? I mean, it just makes it go. For me, I love this. Uh, I love fresh basil on a margarita pizza. Mm, that's a good pizza. In fact, I'm getting hungry right now. And, and the list goes on, but here's one of the things I was reminded of this summer. While we were on our trip, while we were driving alongside the Columbia River, along what's called the Columbia Gorge, I was reminded as I saw all of these fruit orchards of my childhood, where I spent many spring and summer breaks with my grandparents in the Dalles, Oregon. And it was a very, very special place for me. I've, I've, I've referred to some of my encounters there uh, at different times in my messages, but they had uh, one and a half acres of land with two massive vegetable gardens on it with a fruit orchard in the middle that included fresh strawberries, raspberries, and blackberries. And I remember most nights, well, actually, if I'm being honest, every night, um, during the summer, we would have dessert. And one of my favorite desserts is when my grandparents would place cut-up fruit and hand-pick berries into a bowl with just a touch of sugar. And then there was an ingredient that tied everything together. It was half and half cream. I don't know about you, I like bowls of fruit with like peaches and cream or berries and cream. It was so awesome. In fact, thinking about it has my mouth watering right now. I don't know about you. So today I want to bring to you together all of our wonderful messages about the fruit of the Spirit. I want to, by sharing what I believe is the necessary ingredient to produce incredible fruit and fruitfulness in our life. Who wants your life to produce good fruit? You want to have impact in your life. I believe that every single one of us want to do that. And so in Galatians chapter 5, Paul makes the, an incredible contrast between the actions and attitudes our flesh produces and what the Holy Spirit inside of us should produce. And here's what he says. When you follow the, de the desires of your sinful nature, 
The results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and others like these. I mean, this list just keeps going on and on and on and on. It can kind of get depressing as you read it. But he says, let me tell you again as I have before that anyone living this sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit, he says, produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Wow. Okay. Wow. God, I know I, I, I don't want to have that first list in my life. I, I don't want to live that way. But if I'm honest, I know that sometimes maybe some of those things of my flesh can, can kind of rise up. You see, we need to understand this, that the Holy Spirit is a difference maker. The Holy Spirit, when we yield to the Holy Spirit, he makes a difference in our lives. You see, I want to say it this way. God inside of us changes us when we allow him to. You see, I think it's really important that we understand this. Let me read this again. God will change you. God will change the inside of you when you allow him to. You see, we have a part in this process that we have to surrender ourselves to the working of the Holy Spirit. Because when our flesh is in charge, it produces nasty things. Say this, the flesh is nasty. Okay, it just is. It just is. I mean, I don't care who you are. You're married long enough. You've been, you know, you're with your, your wife or your husband and you're talking or the kids. And if you are not in the Holy Spirit and you get into those arguments, who says, you know, sometimes there's things that kind of, ah, they come out of us. They're not very good. It's nasty. It's ugly. You know, some of us, it's when we drive. It gets these things that just stir it up. But here's what I believe. The Holy Spirit is a difference maker and makes our lives fruitful when we consciously yield to him. However, to yield to the Holy Spirit, and this is what I want to focus my message on today, requires the rarest of ingredients, the ingredients of courage. I believe this, that every single one of us need more courage in our lives. One of the things that's in rare supply in the world today requires courage. And why would I say, well, how, how, how does courage touch all of these different fruits of the Spirit? Well, I believe that courage is vital to the releasing the fruit of the Spirit. Why? Because it requires courage to love people when they, you don't want to love them. Am I telling the truth here today? That sometimes to love somebody who's mean to you. It takes courage. It requires courage to remain uh, hopeful when you don't see much hope around you. When the world around you just seems like it's fallen apart. It requires courage to have self-control, to lean into peace. You see, courage touches every one of those character qualities that the Holy Spirit wants to produce in our life. It takes courage to have joy when things are going against you. It is the cream that releases the fullest 
and luscious fruit. You see, in the Bible, there are many stories of people who demonstrated great courage. We have David when he challenged the giant Goliath when David was a teenager and he faced Goliath who was spouting off about how God had no control. He was defying the people of God. And I believe this, that in our own lives, all of us have giants that we must face and that must bow down, but it takes courage to face those giants. We we, We read about Daniel when he faced the lions in the lion's den. Why? Because he decided that no matter what the government around him said, he would not stop praying to his God. And he did it with the penalty that he could be placed in the lion's den. And he refused to, in, uh, to give in to it. It took great courage for him to be that person. We look at Moses in the Bible when he led the children of Israel out of Egypt. When he went back to his Egyptian family, most likely it would have been his brothers or relatives that, that he, had, he had left and ran away from. Why? Because he'd murdered somebody. And he went back to face them so that his people, the Israelites, could be set free from slavery. It took great courage. But today I want to focus on, just for a few moments of your time, the story about Joshua, who actually replaced Moses as the leader of Israel. Joshua is the second leader of the Israelite nation. And Yahweh was filling these great big shoes of a, from a man who is larger than life. I mean, Moses is a very significant figure for our faith, for the Jewish faith, for the Christian faith. We know all about him. He was the man who led Israel out of Egypt. He had this incredible ability that God allowed him to talk to him face to face. Come on, I mean, that's pretty significant. He wrote the Ten Commandments along with the first five books of the Bible. And here's what Moses says to Joshua when he's on the day when he's transitioning from being the leader. He's given the leadership of Israel over to Joshua. Here's what he says in Joshua chapter 1, verses 6 to 9. He says, Be strong and courageous. For you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instruction Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything that you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you'll be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. God is saying this to us. The Lord your God is with you wherever you go. What was going on here? Well, Israel had been in the wilderness for 40 years because they had, one generation had disobeyed God when he had said, you are gonna take the land. They became fearful and afraid. And so here is Joshua, one of the only remaining people from his generation along with Caleb. See, every one of his friends had died. And now he was the commander of a 
new generation that had never seen him lead before. They didn't know his leadership skills. They didn't know what his ability was because Moses had been their leader and now Moses was, was going away. In fact, it was an, only a, a day or two away from when Moses died up on the mountain and now Joshua is gonna be the leader and it was only he and Caleb that had ever, uh, that were still alive and now they were leading a new generation. But not only was he leading a new generation, God was giving him and Moses was speaking to him that they were gonna be the ones that were gonna lead the nation of Israel to take their promised land. But here was an issue. The people they were taking were not warriors. They'd never done battle. They just wandered around for 40 years. All the warriors had died. And now they were coming into a land that had fortress cities with mighty warriors that included nine-foot giants. Everything around Joshua was new and unfamiliar But over and over again, Moses speaks the words of the Lord to him, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. My prayer today that what will echo in your ear when you leave this place, that you will hear the Holy Spirit whisper to you, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. See, I feel that many of us can relate to Joshua. The world we are living in feels different and unfamiliar. Things have shifted all around us. The church and the world are in a season of transition. Even though some things are familiar, we we can look at reference points. Nothing is the same and nothing will be the same. In fact, as I was preparing this message, I felt the Holy Spirit gave me a prophetic word to speak to each and every one of you. And here's what the word of the Lord was. It says, I felt God saying to me, don't, do not look to the days of yesteryear, but embrace the opportunities of today and the promises of tomorrow. I've determined that some things must end so that others can begin. I'm in the process of loosing and revealing what has been, unco- what has been comfortable, but was, what does not belong so that my glory can be revealed. Do not fear the corrupt leaders. Do not fear the mocking voices. Do not fear the declarations of impending doom. Do not believe that this is the ending. Do not believe that the misery is forever. Do not believe that my hand is against you as I'm weighing in the balance the righteous and the unrighteous. And the time of the unrighteous is about to end. For those who have put their trust in me and made me their refuge, they will eat from the goodness of this land, the goodness of this land, the goodness of this land. So be strong and courageous, says the Lord. You see, I believe there are new challenges before us. Giants that need to be taken down. Why? So that we can grab our promises. And I believe God has promises for each and every one of you. And God wants you to grab a hold of your promises. But we cannot do it without the Lord leading us. We cannot do it without the working of the Holy Spirit. We cannot do it if we seek the path of safety. We either seek safety or we lean into courage. You see, difference makers 
are always courageous. It's one of the, their, their character qualities. And I believe this, that we are people that are inspired by heroes, those who show their, their, their valor in the face of peril. We love movies and documentaries and, and any other media that, that celebrates people and their acts of great courage that are both fictional and, and whether they are real. In fact, most young boys want to be Spider-Man or Superman or some other heroic character. Why? Because we love bigger-than-life individuals and events. But here's what I want to hone in on right now, that most times true courage is developed and demonstrated in the shadows of our life. Places where most people cannot see. Places where we face our own weaknesses and take a step towards change. Places where we are forced to be honest with ourselves. Can you hear it today? Do you hear heaven saying, be strong and courageous? Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Where do we need courage? Well, there's a few things that I want to highlight today. I believe for some of you here today, God wants to give you the courage to change or to make changes in your life. You see, I believe this, that one of the places that many times takes the greatest courage for us as people is to make meaningful change in our lives. Small changes, I know this, lead to big results over time when we, we begin to say, you know what, I, I need to make these changes, but in order to do so means we need to face our current reality. Where, where are we at in our health? How are our finances? Are there some things that are our are, are habits or hurts or hangups for my Celebrate Recovery folks here? Things that we, we need that we're, that we're battling with that are, that are just addictions. Maybe we have relationship challenges. Our relationships are not what we want them to be. We want them to be more. Or maybe we just feel like we want to change out of the routines, break out of the mold of our life. In order to do so requires courage. You've got to make a change. You see, where do you want to see the change in your life? It takes courage to begin a new workout routine, and it's never fun in the beginning. I know this right now. I'm coming out of summer. I mean, I had a lot of fun flying places, eating all sorts of food, things that I shouldn't eat. You know, I love red licorice in the States, red vines. It's my weakness. Man, I was just eating that stuff and having big meals, and now I'm coming back from vacation, and I'm like, all right, Todd, it's time to get healthy. You got to do things. And I know that as I'm thinking about this, as I want to go do it, that I'm like, oh, it's going to not be fun. You know, those first runs or walks, they hurt. It's depressing. You know, when I was in high school, I could run 15 miles without stopping. Now I can't even go a half a kilometer. <laughs> and you begin to do things and it's uncomfortable and it's awkward and it's painful and it's challenging. But I'll tell you what, it takes courage to say, you know what, I I'm, I'm gonna go do that. I'm gonna make those changes. It requires courage to have a serious conversation with our spouse or our child or our friend. I, I want to say this. I, I believe this, that most people live far below in their marriage relationships or their relationships with their friends. Why? Because they're just like, I, we just don't talk about certain things. 
It's just, it's just, we just, we just don't go there. It takes courage to have those conversations, doesn't it? It requires courage to sign up for that new class or that new course to kind of say, you know what, I'm gonna, I, maybe I haven't been in school for 30 years, 40 years, oh, I'm, I'm gonna learn something new and you sign up, it takes courage. It requires courage to ask for help. Sometimes we just need help. But we have to embrace the discomfort because change can feel awkward. Most times it, it, it feels very awkward. But if you continue to do it and you begin to embrace it, soon it will become your new normal. And we need to understand this, that when we step out and we begin to say, God, would you change these areas in my life that God is cheering for us. God is cheering for you. God wants you to succeed. The Holy Spirit will help you. The Holy Spirit will guide you. We just need to keep going. But I want you to hear, do you hear be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Something specifically God has been dealing with me on is the courage to be thankful. Well, what is Thanksgiving? What, what really is Thanksgiving? I mean, I can say, God, thank you for this. Thank you for my food. I pray. No, I'm thankful. Really, thankfulness is, is actually... Un, it's having an attitude of that you that you're encouraged that you trust God is for you in all situations, <laughs> and we're encouraged in the Bible to be thankful in all situations. Actually, um, we're commanded <laughs> as Jesus followers. You see, thankfulness is a manifestation of our trust in the goodness of God. Proverbs three verses five and six: What trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him. And what does he, will he do? He'll make straight your paths. You see, I know for myself that this has been a thing. I've been facing over the course of the, probably the last year, where I've just been frustrated with a lot of things. Frustrated with what's going on in the world. Frustrated with government. Maybe even angry a little bit. Frustrated with inflation and paying massive gas costs. And so I realized I was getting angry. And and God was speaking to me. I'm like, God, I don't really want to live with this anger. I'm tired of being angry. How, How do I get rid of this anger? And he's like, well, trust me and be thankful. All right, thank you. No, 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 no. I want it to get into your heart where you have an attitude of thanksgiving. (sighs) You know, it's hard to find positives in certain situations when we're facing unexpected delays, unrealized expectations, loss, loss of our health, loss of our financial security, loss of relationships, even loss of loved ones. And here God says you're to be thankful. On our way to drop my son off in Concord, New Hampshire, um, it was a very interesting journey. And it was like God was like, he was speaking to me and I knew he'd been speaking to me about all of these things. And we, as we started our journey from, uh, from Seattle, we actually flew first of all to 
New York and then from New York to Boston, but we were on a red-eye flight. Who here has ever flown on a red-eye flight? Uh, you fly all night, and you know, when you do a red-eye, you pray to the Lord that there aren't any young children that want to stay up all night and scream and yell and do all of that. And, and of course, so you're, we're always looking around. Well, uh, initially I was like, Lord, this is going to be challenging. Uh, a lot of the ways that the airlines have changed now, if you want to pick your own seats, you have to pay for it. And I can kind of be cheap sometimes, and I didn't want to do that. And so I got to the airport and worked it out where my son and Jan were sitting together, but I was in the back of the plane sitting in a middle seat for a six-hour flight. And I'd like to say that all my stuff was terrible because it wasn't. Actually, what ended up happening was the guy that was supposed to have the window seat didn't show up, and I was the only person on the plane and the passenger that was on the aisle now because I took the window seat that had a flight where we had a seat in between us. I had a great flight. My wife and Isaac, not so much. They had a child that screamed the whole flight in front of them, a kid that kicked their seat the whole flight behind them. Next to them was a dad or a grandfather who Jan described it, snored so loud that he actually drowned out the turbine engines on the airplane. (laughs) And then on the other side of her, because Jan sat in the middle seat, she gave Isaac the, the window seat, was a, a, a mom, and I, and, I, and I feel bad for this, was a terrible thing, who had dementia, and they were taking her with the family, was taking her in, and, and yet, but they didn't sit with her, they put her with my family. And, and, and for the whole night, she, instead of watching her own television screen, watched Jan's. Oh, that's awesome, that's great. Well, by the time we got off the plane, I didn't realize how bad it had been for her, but I was like, how was your flight? I think she punched me in the face. I can't remember. (laughs) She's like, it was terrible. And I was like, well, mine is good. And so I was kind of actually all in a fairly good state of mind. But when we arrived in Boston to get our rental car, there was over a hundred people in the line for renting from our vendor. Well, after waiting for two hours, listening to people's discussions, we finally were given our, our, our location of where our car was because we said, hey, the keys will be in the car. And when we went up the stairs to the stall where our car was supposed to be, in that stall was a car that had written in grease ink pen, this car is out of service, waiting for oil change and other repairs. And so we went and found a, an employee at the car rental agency and we're like, um, we're, sir, what are we supposed to do with this car? And he went, and of course, you know, God's testing. He's like, why are you trying to take that car? I'm not, sir. They gave me, well, you should not have that car. I'm like, I know we'd like a different car if we could, please. (laughs) And so after about another half an hour, finally, another car showed up. And as we were driving out, we realized, Jan was like, Todd, where's your suitcase? (laughs) I said, I think I put it in the back seat of that first car. Well, it was no longer in that spot. So another half an hour, 45 minutes later, we finally tracked somebody down, got our suitcase, and we're like, okay, finally. God, thank you. That was challenging. We're going to be okay. We're good. And so we're driving on the, on the freeway. It's about an hour and 15 minutes from Boston to Concord, uh, New Hampshire. And we're driving, and there's toll roads everywhere. And again, I told you I don't like to do certain things. And so I was like, let's avoid the tolls. But we came to one spot where you couldn't avoid it. 
and it was one dollar. Do you think we had a dollar? Do you think anybody had a dollar? We went through the seats of the car, the ashtray. We went through our pockets. We eventually came up after uh, 10 minutes sitting at the toll booth. Cars lined up behind us, horns hawking, East Coast drivers. Hey, buddy, you know, they're yelling at you. Finally, we get a dollar and we move on to Concord, New Hampshire. Well, after we did a few things to, with Isaac and his school, we decided it was time to go get our hotel room. Showed up at the hotel, waited in line, said to the lady, hey, I've got a reservation. I prepaid it, paid almost $1,000 for five days of staying in Concord, New Hampshire. And the lady says to me, what's your name again? I said, it's Todd Swisher. She goes, I don't have a reservation for you. I said, could you look again? She goes, well, I see that I had a reservation for you that somebody canceled the reservation. I said, well, then can you get me a room? She goes, sir, I'm sorry, our hotel is completely full. Now, you have to remember, we've been up for over 30 hours. And I'm like, God, okay, be thankful. Lord, you're good. You know what's going on. I said, hey, do you know, can you look around and see if there's any hotel rooms anywhere in, in Concord? The whole city was completely full. And I don't want to equate myself to Mary with carrying Jesus, but, you know, it just brought a little bit of context. The inns were all full. I was ready to sleep in a manger or, or in a somewhere. Well, then the company that canceled our reservation was like, oops, <laughs> we made a mistake. We'll help you find something. Over the course of the next two hours, they disconnected us four times on our phone call. God... Your sense of humor and my sense of humor are very different. Fortunately, after a few hours, we found a hotel room in a city close to Concord. You know, that day, my courage, my thankfulness courage was tested to the max. At each place, I had a choice either to speak blessing over the situation. And I want you to know, as God was challenging me, I was speaking to my son and my wife. I was like, okay, guys, let's be thankful. Let's be thankful. And I was like, come on, guys, I need you to be thankful because I don't want to be thankful anymore either. You see, my MO more times than I confess is to complain about things. But here was the truth. Here was the truth. You see, when you, you surrender yourself to God, when you have the courage to do what he asked you to do, the truth was my family had made it across the U.S. safely. We now had a wonderful rental car that was actually two upgrades better than our first one. And we're now staying in a nicer hotel that I was able to rent for $250 cheaper than I had originally paid. You see, it requires courage to be thankful when life throws you challenges and curveballs. But here's, again, the Lord is saying to you today, be strong. And courageous. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. You know, it also takes great courage, and we need courage, to stand up to culture. We live in a world where the culture right now is very antagonistic towards Jesus and his followers. For too much of my life, the response of the church has been to live in a parallel universe that neither engages nor impacts society. We hope and pray that we will see change, 
but we've neglected to stand up for righteousness because we lack humility and courage. We fail to get involved because we see community involvement as something that is unspiritual or we've been waiting for Jesus to come in the clouds and to save us. Therefore, ungodly culture now has not only infiltrated our society, but it's infiltrating the church with many supporting abortion, same-sex marriage, and the woke ideology that is contrary to the Bible. I have to say this today, that culture should never determine our Christianity. Culture changes constantly, but the Bible does not change. But I believe this is a new season, and there is great opportunity to see change for those who are willing to stand courageously. I believe for our nation, I believe for our community, it's time for the lion of the tribe of Judah to roar in this land. It is time for the Daniels and the Deborahs to come to the forefront. It's time for the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's to rise up. It's time for the Caleb's and the Joshua's to take their rightful place. You see, I believe we will manifest the fruit of the spirit when we care for the health of our soul more than we care for the health of our body. God wants to help us today. God wants to give us courage. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. I'd like you to look at just for a few minutes a, a clip of what we see can happen when we step into a place of courage. your microphone. Here you go. Make sure you don't cut the top. Hold it right there. Perfect. Have a great show. Courtney Hadwin, another who's bumpy moment that is incredibly shareable. She was so socially awkward. I'll tell you, even that day, she was supposed to come out and then they said she's so scared. Can we wait? Hi. Welcome to America's Got Talent. How are you? Um, a little bit nervous. She could barely speak when she came on stage. It was like, you know, hello, what's your name? And how old are you? Thirteen. Thirteen. Um, what's your favourite subject in school? Music. What kind of music? I don't know. <laughs> she didn't know. She couldn't even answer that question because she was so uncomfortable. Well, I'm thinking, you know, let's just get this over with quickly because I don't think this is going to go well. And then, one, two, three. Million views. That is incredible. 
like she was all shy again, like this little girl again. That was an audition I will never forget. What the hell, Courtney? Those are the kind of moments that end up on this show you're watching right now. You are not from this era. You're from a whole different era. Yes. Janis Joplin fan, and there's a story, if you ever watch the documentary, Clive Davis, he goes to the Monterey Pop Festival, and he sees this young girl that nobody has ever seen before, that nobody knows. It was the first time Janis Joplin got signed, and that, that changed her life. Do you know that story? Yeah. I'm not Clive Davis, and I can't sign you to a record deal. The only thing I can do for you, young lady, is give you... I wish I'd given her the golden buzzer myself. I was so pissed off at Howie. You see, I believe that God has many stories that are even greater than what we just witnessed there. Things that he has called you, his people, his sons, his daughters, to step into. But it takes courage. It takes courage to get past our fears and our, maybe even that place of feeling awkward to step into what God has for us. I shared this already, but it takes courage to love people unconditionally. It requires courage to be thankful when your heart has been torn out from you. It requires courage to find peace when all you see around you is chaos. It requires courage to walk away from temptation to give in to anger, to give in to hate. You see, I believe today that God is speaking to us, be strong and courageous. In fact, I even hear the Holy Spirit as he's moving in our hearts and he's blowing on our lives. He's saying, you are strong, you are courageous. You see, we need he needs, the world needs people that will live with courage. And that's my prayer today, that courage will be released in your life. Whatever it is, I believe that each one of us has our own places where we need more courage, where we need the courage to see the fruit of the Holy Spirit manifested in our lives. I believe that God wants to, for some of us to have the courage to, to be able to seek those changes, those things that we've been avoiding, those conversations that we need to have, those things that we've, we've said, you know what, I don't want to deal with that. It takes courage, the courage to be thankful the courage some of us to make a stand against things that we know aren't right 
to say, I don't want to continue to go against the flow. I don't want to just go with the flow. I don't want to just do what everybody else is doing. But God, would you give me courage? There's even some here today that I want to pray that God would give you the courage to break free from COVID fear. But still, as we're moving into this three years later, that fear has gripped your life. God wants that you to be free, but it's going to take courage to walk in the freedom that God has for you. I don't know what's speaking to you today. I don't know what is challenging you in your place. But I just declare, God, would you give everyone courage. If we need courage, would you ask him for courage? I'm here to tell you today as your pastor, I'm asking God, God, would you give me more courage to lead with greater courage? The courage to step into whatever God is asking So today, I pray maybe you're here. Maybe you don't even have a relationship with Jesus. That Maybe today the courage you need is to invite him into your life. To say, you know what, I'm going to live for you. I don't preach the North American gospel where give your life to Jesus and everything gets easy. I don't believe in that. I believe give your life to Jesus and he will help you through whatever you face. But God, I just pray today. I just pray today, Father God, that there would be a cultivation, a a release of courage, Lord, in each and every heart that is here. Lord, I pray as we transition from summer to the fall, Lord, that you'd give us the courage Lord, to be able to speak to people, people that need you, Jesus. Lord, would you give us the heart of courage? Lord, would we we resist just what is comfortable, what is easy? Lord, would we move into those things that maybe are, are, are gonna be painful in places, but Lord, in the end, your goodness will be released. God, give us that courage. Transform us with your courage. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone said, amen.